Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. O Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities, with which I have ever offended you, and justly deserve your temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them, and sincerely repent of them. And I pray you of your boundless mercy, and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor, simple being. Upon this your confession, I, by virtue of my office, as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you. And in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
this day you once taught the hearts of your faithful people by sending them the light of your Holy Spirit. Grant us in our day, by the same Spirit, to have a right understanding in all things and evermore to rejoice in his holy consolation. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. The reading of the Holy Scriptures. The first and Old Testament reading appointed for this, the day of Pentecost, is from the prophet Ezekiel, the 37th chapter. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. And then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. And so I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. And then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost, and we are clean cut off. Therefore prophesy, and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves, and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord, when I open your graves, and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land, and then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. second reading from the Acts of the Apostles, the second chapter. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. 
And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke, the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
hearts of the faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Hallelujah. We stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to the 15th and 16th chapters of St. John. Jesus said, When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. I did not say these things to you from the beginning, because I was with you. Now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you asks, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. And therefore I said he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. This is the gospel of our Lord. Together now we confess our holy Christian faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again, according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our text from the Gospel, the 16th chapter of St. John, verse 13. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. This is our text. Dear friends in our Lord Jesus Christ, a couple of weeks ago I stood beside my wife on a small narrow street of Rome with map in hand trying to find our way from the Pantheon, that ancient temple where all of the Greco-Roman gods and goddesses were worshipped, out to the great Colosseum of Rome and Palatine Hill upon which Rome was founded and I was standing there with map in hand and I was asking myself that very question, quo vadis? Where are you going? Where in the world are you going? Because the streets are so close and so narrow that it's hard to find at times where you're going and found myself asking that very question. And I thought also of that same question a day earlier as I was sitting upon the rooftop overlooking the ancient Pantheon and its colossal dome whose weight rests on walls that are 20 feet thick at the base and whose 16 columns that are out in the portico rise so high and are 60 tons in weight. And I thought of that same question as I looked down upon that pantheon at this 2,000-year-old structure and looked up then from it panoramically to view the whole skyline of the city of Rome. And I thought then of something else. I thought, deja vu, I've seen this scene before. Though I'd never been to Rome before, it seemed that I'd seen it before, and indeed I had seen it before. I'd seen it through the eyes of another camera. Some of you will remember, in fact, the old movie Quo Vadis. Where are you going, it means. Remember it? Great actors like Robert Taylor and Peter Ustinov, actresses Deborah Kerr and Sophia Loren, an epic production about ancient Rome and ancient Christianity and how personified in these two main characters in a in a Roman commander named Marcus who falls in love with a beautiful convert to Christianity named Ligia and the conflict that they had as they stood there together at the crossroads even as they typified all of the world standing there at that crossroads of time going the way of Christianity or going the way of Rome which way shall it be where are you going quo vadis where are you going crossroads and I can't help but imagine that that very phrase meant so much also to the disciples in our text for today because you'll see that very phrase that was in the text for today. Remember the words of our text spoken on the night before our Lord was crucified. That's when he spoke these words from St. John. He had told the twelve that he was going to go to the cross for them, that he was going to offer up himself as God in the flesh. He was going to offer up himself as a sacrifice for their sins, for the sins of all the world. He told them that having done that he would rise again on the third day, that he was going to visibly depart from them, though invisibly he would still be with them in that supper that he had founded for them on that night, the Lord's Supper that we still celebrate until Christ visibly returns at the end of time, but that even now he said he would be with us in his very body and blood in this Holy Supper until he visibly comes at times. And all of this had happened, all of this he had told his disciples, he had made all of these preparations for them before he left visibly from their sight 
And despite it all, he finds it necessary to say to them what we heard him say in the gospel for today when he said, Now I'm going to him who sent me. I'm getting ready to perform this task for all the world, and I'm getting ready to go to him who sent me, having accomplished his will for me in this world, and none of you, none of you asks me, where are you going? Interesting, no quo vadis, no where are you going from the disciples, not yet, why not? Because in their mind's eye, they just couldn't understand the necessity of the cross, just as so many people in our world today don't understand the necessity of God becoming man to die for man's sins, that there had to be payment that was equal to the sins of all of mankind. They hadn't grasped yet that necessity. And so they're not asking that all-important question where he was going, having accomplished the will of his Father. Instead, they're so caught up in the here and now and then what's going to happen to them if Jesus is indeed crucified, as he says, what they're going to do next, that the question became, instead of, where are you going, Jesus, having accomplished what you came to do, and all the promises that you're going there holds for us in the future, instead of that, they find themselves asking, where are we going? What are we going to do? Caught up in the here and the now, instead of the then and the there of Jesus. Their only quo vadis was the quo vadis of bewilderment, as it so often is even with us. They're still asking, what's going to become of us? Instead of seeing in Christ what their future is. Quo vadis. And isn't that the same thing also with us in our day? Our Lord, patient though and gracious as he was with the disciples, knew that he was going to be sending them out into the world, not to be leaders of men, but rather to be sheep among wolves. And he knows that he must prepare them for that, and so he says, wait, you shall receive power from on high, he says. You shall receive power from on high when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and then you shall be my witnesses, starting in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, and indeed even to the remotest parts of the earth. And they wait, as Jesus told them to do, and then they return to Jerusalem and waiting for something to happen. They and over a hundred others with them devote themselves to prayer and to the study of the Word of God. And then it did happen. Then what Jesus had promised to them even before he suffered on the cross and died for them, then what he promised to them did indeed happen. When he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth, Jesus had said, and it did indeed happen. The Spirit of truth came on that promised day of Pentecost, and they were all gathered into one place, as we heard it said in Acts, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began speaking in tongues as the Spirit then gave them utterance, speaking in languages they never before had heard, in order that the message of Christ might be indeed shared with the world. The promised power from on high had come, and now the disciples and the hundred-plus men and women of God with them were ready to go where the Lord Jesus would send them. They were ready to do what the Lord Jesus said they would do. 
They were now empowered and enabled, not by their own strength, but by the very power of God to take on whatever life in the world would throw at them. They were ready to courageously confront life's challenges and Christianity's critics because they knew that what they were doing was something they would be doing because the Spirit of God was with them. Quo Vadis, what about you? Is it any different for us? Has not God made that same promise to us indeed that his spirit would be with us, enabling us to do those very things that need to be done, that the message of Christ might be a message that's shared with not only those about us, but throughout the world? Quo Vadis, where are you going? You know, it's rather interesting that the same year that the book Quo Vadis became a movie, there was another famous book that became a movie as well, Back in 1951, Walt Disney made Lewis Carroll's classic adventure, Alice in Wonderland, into a movie. Remember Alice in Wonderland? Many of you indeed have shared that book with your children, perhaps, or you've read it yourselves. Remember the story, a dream in which Alice has changed in size, and she takes an amazing journey, and she soon encounters all sorts of fantastic creatures, including, of course, the Cheshire Cat, who upon seeing her along the way asks her this question, and where are you going? Alice, somewhat startled by the curious cat and by the cat's timely question, replies, I, I don't know. Remember what the cat answered? It profoundly says, well, if you don't know where you're going, it won't make much difference which road you take. And the cat was right. A lot of people are just as lost as Alice in Wonderland, utterly confused, for example, by what's arguably called evolutionary science. So many have no idea where they've come from. They have no idea where they're going, what their ultimate destiny is, seeing themselves as being little more than interesting accidents of chance that have taken place in a random chance universe, briefly existing in this vast expanse of some self-caused universe, they reduce themselves and they reduce human life to near nothingness, to little more than cosmic dust. A self-caused universe, you see, has no plan for man. A self-caused universe has no concern for any one of us. To it, we are but insignificant specks of dust in cosmic timelessness. Stephen Crane somewhat poetically put it this way, and he said, A man said to the universe, Sir, I exist. Nevertheless, replies the universe, the fact has not created in me the slightest sense of obligation. You see, a self-caused universe leaves us all in nothingness. It sets us down in that vast valley of cosmic dust and death, and it leaves us there saying, this is your home, this is where you came from, this is to what you'll return. Cosmic dust you were, cosmic dust you shall be. But that's not what God says. As we heard in the Old Testament lesson from prophet Ezekiel today, God's hand was upon him and the Spirit of the Lord brought him out and sat him down in a 
the middle of this, this valley of dry bones. But he didn't leave him there saying, see what you're going to become? See what you are? He led him back and forth among that valley of bones. And he asked him this question, can these bones live? And Ezekiel rightly answered, not of themselves. Indeed, not of themselves. You alone, God, know. And he commanded the prophet then, God did, commanded the prophet speak the word to these dead bones, which he did. The word of God that brings life to that which is dead. And suddenly, through the power of God's word, there was a noise. There was a rattling of these dry bones, symbolizing motion, movement, bones coming together, bone to bone, tendon and flesh appearing upon them, and finally, breath entering from God into them, and they came to life, and they stood up, and they were, as Scripture tells us, a vast army, and God said, I shall put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and those dead and dry bones lived, as we heard. And God has put that same spirit of life within each of you, within all of us as his people. And live we do, not just now, not just for earth's brief hour, as though our destiny were merely the, the dust heap of ages and we are here for a short span and then we return to that cosmic dust from whence we've come. Not just as a single speck of worthless sand falling through the hourglass of cosmic time. No, God has said, I will put my spirit within you, a living spirit, and you shall live and you shall live forever. You shall live because, as Jesus said, I live, you shall live also. Connected to the ever-living Christ, we live always as well. God raised him, the Lord Jesus Christ, from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, Scripture says, because it was impossible for death to hold him down. And because you are in Christ through holy baptism, because Christ Jesus is yours, it is impossible also for death to hold any and all of us down. Impossible to hold you down. Connected by faith, and by the work of the Holy Spirit to him who lives forever, to the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't that why Luther taught us to say that we've been called by the gospel, enlightened with his gifts, sanctified he has and kept me in the true faith, even as he calls and gathers, enlightens and sanctifies the, the whole Christian church on earth, and he keeps it in the one true faith in which Christian church he then daily and he richly forgives all of my sins for me and all believers, and will at the last day raise up me and all the dead and give unto me and all believers in Christ eternal life. Luther says this is most certainly true, and it is indeed most certainly true. It's the confession of the church throughout the ages. If the spirit of him, Scripture says, who raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells within you. And then a few, few verses later, he adds these words, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children were heirs, heirs also with Christ Jesus. You see, we know where we're going because Christ has gone before us. He's told us the way. 
He's prepared the way for us that where he is, we may be also, we know where we're going, we know how we're going to get there because of what he's done for us, not because of what we do for ourselves or for him. And so we cling tenaciously to him by faith, how? By the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to believe and to cling. We cling to Christ. We cling to Christ whose very body and blood is ours today. Wherein we receive him as he's invisibly present with us in his very body and blood. And we receive from him that immortality that prepares both our souls and our bodies for immortality. You know where you're going. You know who alone is going to get you there. You know how he's going to get you there through his means of grace, through his word, and through his sacraments. You know Jesus Christ. And you here confess him before one another. And out there you confess him in your life before the world. There will indeed, because of the confession that we make, be it as a church or a congregation or individuals, there will indeed be those who call our consistent confession of Christ a fanaticism. But that's okay. In a certain sense, I suppose, technically speaking, you could say we are fanatics. In fact, the word fanatic comes from an interesting Latin word, phanum, fanatic, from phanum, which literally means a sanctuary, a temple. A fanatic, therefore, was merely someone who loved his God so much that he became a, a sanctuary dweller of sorts, one who desired to be there in God's temple where he could receive from God that which God gave. Fanatics, then, at least in that sense, we indeed are. For where would we rather be right now than where God has promised to meet us in his word, and in the sacraments where Christ comes to us even in our day to strengthen us and to enable us to live in this world in which he's placed us. Quo vadis, where are you going? We know. And thank God that we do know. Because of the work of his Holy Spirit in your life, beginning on that day of baptism, extending even to the day that he calls you eventually home to the place that he's called you to be. He is accomplishing his work in and through us. Let all of the world call us what it will. Let the world do to us what it would. It is simply, though, too late for it to undo what God has already done for you. At the beginning of the sermon, I mentioned my wife and I a couple of weeks ago standing in Rome, map in hand, asking each other, where in the world are we going? Well, we made our way from the, from the Pantheon down the Via del Corso to the Via de Fore Imperiale, that street along which stands one of the most fantastic sites in all of ancient Rome, the great Roman Colosseum. That Colosseum upon which so many of our modern arenas are based architecturally, a Colosseum that seats 50,000 spectators, and you could just about hear the sounds of those spectators, 50,000 of them from 2,000 years ago, chanting out their words, their sayings, their slogans as thousands of gladiators would fight to their death, and so many Christians so many brothers and sisters in Christ of ancient times were murdered 
yea, martyred because they confessed Christ alone as Lord and would confess no other. And as we walk through the massive circular corridors of the Colosseum's main floor in order to enter through the royal entrance where Caesar himself would have walked, we were moved by what we saw. Standing in the dark corridor, looking up and out at where we would soon see the, the light of the open Colosseum ceiling breaking through, we moved forward in anticipation of what we were going to see as we saw that light approach. And as we walked out there, we suddenly saw it. And it was standing there very simply, standing there for all who entered in to see a cross. A cross where Caesar would have walked. A simple but beautiful large wooden cross standing there making that bold confession of faith in the face of all the world even still today saying in its simple way what the great world historian Will Durant once wrote Caesar and Christ met in the arena and Christ won Quo Vadis where are you going? You know. You all know. You know because the spirit of truth has come to you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
In faith, created by the Holy Spirit, through baptismal water and His Word, we pray now for the whole Church of God, in Christ Jesus, and for all people, everywhere according to their need. We pray. On this day of Pentecost, we praise the Lord for sending His promised Holy Spirit to breathe faith and spiritual life into us and all believers who, like all men, were born in sin. We ask that He re receive our thanks also for His Word enabled for His Word He enabled the apostles and prophets to declare and record. Through that life-giving Word, may God preserve and extend His kingdom of grace and by the gift of his Holy Spirit, enable those who hear his word to repent of their sins and trust in the work of Christ Jesus. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray that God would grant faithful pastors to his church and enable her to fight the good fight of faith in every generation, that true doctrinal unity may emerge from each struggle as his people speak the truth in love to one another and in the world so that those from every nation under heaven might be drawn to trust in the only name given under heaven by which mankind must be saved, Jesus Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We give thanks for the gift of faith given in baptism that the Holy Spirit once worked in the heart of Michael Amick, who confirms his faith at the 11 o'clock service in the rite of confirmation, for nourishing him in that faith through Scripture throughout his years so that today he would be enabled to confirm and confess publicly his baptismal faith. Through the same word that has sustained him and through the Holy Supper of Christ's very body and blood that today Michael will receive for the first time, we pray that God would uphold him in the faith now and throughout all the length of his days. And by these that he'd grant Michael strength and courage to confess Christ Jesus before man, knowing that Christ will not be ashamed to confess him before his Father in heaven. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray that God would bestow his grace on all the nations of the world, including our own, that he'd grant wisdom unto our president and all who advise him in our Congress and in the courts of our land. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For protection from the destructive power of wars and from natural disasters, harmful weather, pestilence, and accidents, and also that God would watch over all of his people who travel in these days and weeks to come, that whether by land or in the air or on the sea, they will be protected by his holy angels and return safely home. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That God would be the helper and comforter of the sick, including Hugh Ryan, who is again hospitalized and weakened, the homebound members of the congregation, those in care facilities, those who struggle each week with increased infirmity, that he'd attend to those recovering from surgery, including Grace Shepman and Lois Schneider, that he'd bless those who contend with depression and other challenges, granting them all the assurance of his presence and his power to accomplish all that he desires for his people. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We give thanks with all of those today celebrating particular blessings that God has granted us in our lives, be they years of life or years together in marriage, for the accomplishment of years of study marked by graduation, or simply quiet remembrances of good things that have marked all the days that God has given us. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That God would grant all who approach his altar today faith to trust Christ's very real body and blood in the bread and wine of the supper, 
that the meal might be received unto its intended forgiveness and strengthening of faith, and all who receive it might be enabled to rejoice in the common confession of faith this blessed communion proclaims. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Gracious Lord, hear these our prayers and grant them according to your wisdom and gracious will. And as we journey through this earthly life, prepare us by your Holy Spirit for the world to come, that we may, in true faith, gratefully acknowledge all the blessings that you kindly bestow upon us in body and soul. Enable us by your Holy Spirit to know and to do all that you would have us know and do, that it might be to your glory and for our good. And when our last hour comes, support each of us by your mighty power, and by the saving blood of Christ Jesus alone, receive us into our eternal and heavenly home, where you live and reign with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. salutary, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who ascended above the heavens and sitting at your right hand poured out on this day the promised Holy Spirit on his chosen disciples. For all this the whole earth rejoices with exceeding joy. Therefore with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name evermore praising you and saying, Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
God the Father, the fountain and source of all goodness, who in loving kindness sent your only begotten Son into the flesh, we thank you that for his sake you have given us pardon and peace in this sacrament. And we ask you not to forsake your children, but always to rule our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit, that we may be enabled constantly to serve you. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Oh.